on us, that it's upon us to accomplish those things, to, 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 to speak the truth of God's word. And so Ezekiel's taken out to this valley of dry bones, and he's asked this question. And I want you to think about it this way. What, in my opinion, the question is asking is, is there potential for life in these lifeless bones? And one of my worries oftentimes in our lives is this, that we look at people and go, there's no hope. That person's dead, they're gone. They're lifeless. They're looking for life in other things instead of realizing that we understand the good news of the gospel, that we have a relationship with God, that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and that God is the only one who knows the circumstance or situation with which these people go through. So what we experience today in our city and what we experience in Kansas City and what we're experiencing around the world is the reality that dry bones can live. And please hear me out when I say this. Some of, this, some of the songs we just sang today, you have to begin to play those words through your mind. Like, I even kind of think about it this way. Ezekiel is led out to a valley. And we always talk about the peaks and the valleys in life, right? So Ezekiel's led to a valley. And in a valley, a lot of times we experience a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty and a lot of struggle. And we're like, I hate the valleys. I don't, I don't like the valleys because it's in the valley that oftentimes God does his greatest work. The crazy thing is he doesn't take him to the mountaintop and say, look over the valley. He takes him where? into the heart of where all the dead things are. And one of the struggles for many in the church is we want to isolate, segregate, and separate ourselves out from those things that are dead when the truth of the matter is Jesus would be right in the midst of the dead things. And we all know that based upon Scripture. The Pharisees are like, don't hang around with those who are unclean. Don't hang around the lepers. Don't hang around the hungry. Don't hang around the, the blind and the sick and all of those things. And Jesus is like... Where am I going to be? I'm going to be right in the midst of the valley. And so today, I just want to unpack a number of things that we begin to see based upon the scripture. See, most of us would agree with Ezekiel's statement, oh, sovereign Lord, you know. But what we have to understand, and while it is true that God alone knows who is going to be saved, we as the church play a vital role in this, that it is my responsibility to carry the good news of the gospel to my neighbors and the nations. So why should I go to my neighbors and the nations? As a matter of fact, I want you to think about it this way. We can say it a number of ways. Why should I go to my neighbors and nations? Or why should I go across the street and around the world? And I believe it's a very simple answer. I go across the street and around the world because God's desire for us, for me, is to proclaim the truth so the world can experience life. God's desire in my life, God's desire in our church is for us to stand on and proclaim the truth so that the world can experience life. Think about John chapter 10. I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Here's the crazy thing about abundance. It's like this overflowing. It's this, I can't understand all the blessings that God gives me. And oftentimes, here's the struggle in the life of a Christian. I wholeheartedly think about it this way, all right, as I think about it. If I want to experience an abundant life, then I need to be obedient in all areas of my life, putting it under the authority of Scripture and under the authority of Jesus Christ. 
the reason why many of us don't experience the abundant life is because we don't want to share. You hear that? An abundant life is more than just being a a, a self-fulfilled person who accomplishes all of these things in a job and, and becomes successful and is able to retire well and everything else like that. I believe an abundant life, yes, can include some of those things, but an abundant life literally says, I lay everything at the foot of the cross so that more and more people can know who Jesus Christ is first and foremost. So, If it's God's desire for us to proclaim the truth so the world can experience life, I want to give you two things. Number one, the good news gives life, right? I say that very simply, the good news gives life. If you were to flip over back to Ezekiel chapter 37, there's some great truth in what he unpacks right there and what he says in verse 4. He says literally, oh God, only you know this, but what does he say in verse 5? This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. But here's the crazy thing. Listen to what he says, verse 4. Dry bones hear the what? Word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is good news. As a matter of fact, the good news of the gospel is very simple and laid out. As a matter of fact, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. Dry bones is this idea of hearing the word of the Lord, but we are declare, we are to declare the word of truth, the word of life, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 5, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter in the 12. In other words, that Jesus' death on the cross was the beginning payment, but his resurrection is what offers me life and life more abundantly. And what we have to do is make sure that it's good news. Now listen, please hear me out when I say this. We have to repent. We have to confess. We have to understand those things. But for some reason, the church took the good news of Jesus and made it almost treacherous and torturous and, 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 and honestly, bad news. Like, please hear me out. We have to address sin. We have to acknowledge that everybody is a sinner. But we have to preach the good news. Gospel means what? Good news. And there's good news in the fact that I don't have to be held accountable for the bad things I've done. I don't have to be held accountable for my past sins, that I can confess my sins because he is faithful and just to forgive me of any and all unrighteousness. So the good news is what offers us or gives us life, right? So we have to proclaim the good news. Prophesy to these bones, these dry bones, and let them hear the word of the Lord. Apart from Christ, no one can be or do the righteousness required. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Believes in what? Well, Romans 9, right? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, Here's the crazy thing about this. Paul is writing this to the Roman church. For you to confess Jesus as Lord is to deny Caesar as Lord. Do you just see what he just did? When you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you deny Caesar as Lord. And when you deny Caesar as Lord, the Roman church would face unrelenting persecution from the Roman government. So Paul lays this out. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
In other words, that Jesus is the master over everything. He's the ruler of all things, that Caesar sits under the authority of God the Father, and that God allows Caesar to do certain things, and God allows evil and wicked government people to rise into leadership and positions, and we have to begin to understand that. Listen, I've heard over and over and over again, a good Christian would do what the government says, yes, to an extent. And I've heard over and over and over again people try and quote verses like, see, this is why a Christian should follow what the government says, only to an extent. The government is not dictator and ruler over your soul and has no authority over the church. Please hear me out on that. And our Constitution is built upon that truth, that the government can have no authority over church because the government is under Jesus Christ, who is under, sorry, and the church is under Jesus. So you have Jesus You have God, first of all, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then you have the church, right? And then you have everything else, every government official under that. And when a government official cannot fall under the authority of God's word, then it is no longer the church's responsibility to obey that government leadership. Do you guys hear me out when I say that? Okay? I know you may have some struggles with that. But what that ends up stemming from is usually this idea that we think that government is ultimate authority, when government isn't ultimate authority. Government is only given authority under the auspice of or under the leadership of God. And if they can't fall under the truth of God's word, then I don't have to follow them. Please hear me out when we say that, because I believe there's a time and a day coming. It's already going on around the world, but there will be a time and a day coming when it's going to take the church to rise up and say, we will no longer stay quiet. We will no longer obey you without rising up. Now, I believe we rise up in a very specific way, all right? So I'm not talking about all hell breaking loose and go and get your guns and we're going to fight. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about persecution amongst the church. But the simple fact is that the good news gives life. And so listen to what he says in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. It was an invite. Now, let's, this is exactly what it is. It was an invite to charges of disloyalty when these people had to confess that he was Lord. No doubt some of them were persecuted. Some of them may have died for confessing Jesus is Lord. But listen, the heart is what leads to belief and your mouth is what confesses the truth. Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so if God's desire is for us to proclaim the truth so the world can experience life, we have to understand what the good news means. And the good news means that I don't have to be held responsible for my past sins. And I don't have to be held responsible for my future sins. While Christ was on the cross, literally, what it says, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Now a lot of people use that and go, hey, I got the freedom to do whatever I want. No, the Bible is very clear. If you are in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a slave to obedience to God. You are a servant to Christ first and foremost. So this is good news. If we really believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then we can't be silent. Rather, we should shout it from the rooftops. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Our Savior is alive, and he set our hearts on fire. And here's the crazy thing about it. Look at verses 11 through 13. And I want to point out a couple things. You can do as you wish. I like to write in my Bible. Listen to what he says. As the scripture says, 
Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, what? So while God knows about who is going to be saved, we have to understand that God's desire is also to have all people come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear, though, that some will reject that, that some will walk away. Because of the wickedness of their heart, they will suppress the truth that they're experienced in. I use it this way. There's times where I have been found wrong, not very often, (laughs) and my wife will go, so who's right? And I'll be like, I am. She's like, I just showed you were wrong. I'm like, I know, I'm still right. Now, I know that's a joke. It's an inside joke. Please hear me out. I will admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> Unless we're talking about the Broncos, then I'm always right. Um, no, I'm just joking. Um, but here's, here's what he's saying, and here's how we begin to unpack these things, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that there is a responsibility upon us as individuals to share the good news with those who have never heard. Why? Because they will have a chance... And they need to know the good news. And that's where we unpack and get to the second point. So number one, we said, if God's desire is for us to proclaim the truth so that the world can experience life, then we have to give them the good news. Why? Because the good news gives them or offers them life. But number two, they can't hear unless we take the good news to them. Do you know how many people that I have had conversations with that would say, I I have never heard that before. I have never heard the gospel. Now, and I'm going to use this very cautiously. We had an individual not too long after I got here who came to me and he said, hey, my neighbor has a brain tumor. And he came to me and he's really worried, really worried about his relationship with God. And I told him, you're okay, God knows your heart. Is that correct? And I want want you to understand this. No. Because the Bible is very clear that God does know your heart. The Bible says very clearly that the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart will mislead us into directions. And so for you to say, it's okay that God knows your heart. God knows your intention. Yes, he does. But that's not the good news. The good news is that God knows your intention and God knows your heart and it is wicked and it is deceitful and it's desirous to go against what God wants. But God offers us grace through Jesus' death on the cross. He offers us peace and reconciliation with the sins that we can't bear. See, there's a lot of people who want to walk through the doors and go, God, man, look what I just did. I gave all kinds of money to you and I'm, I've been teaching and all those things. But when we walk into a person or a person walks into a, a relationship with us and they go, oh man, I'm just looking for direction and answers. We go, well, God knows your heart. We had a statement, you could never say, (laughs) you could never say anything bad without saying bless his heart or bless her heart. And so there would be conversations. This was when I was on staff at a church. There would be conversations like this. Well, bless his heart. And there was going to be a negative comment about this person, right? But I want you to think about it this way. 
when God looks at it and we go, oh, bless his heart, God looks at the person and goes, do you know my son Jesus Christ or do you not? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for the sins of the world? Have you confessed, I'm a sinner? Yes, I'm a sinner. And, and I need Jesus to pay for the price of the sins that I couldn't pay for myself. Because that's how we do it. And, and, and listen, they can't hear the good news unless we take it. And so I want to pause right here. I want to play this video. It's about two and a half minutes long. And we're going to come back. We're going to unpack the rest of this. All right? Simple video. Hope you enjoy it. But think about it. Here's what I see. I see God's people surrounded by a world where the nation of Pakistan is still struggling from an earthquake that swallowed up 80,000 people just like that, almost all of whom did not know Christ. I see the nation of Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim-dominated nation, that over the last couple of years has seen a quarter of a million people die in natural disasters, tsunamis and earthquakes, leaving hundreds of thousands of others homeless, susceptible to all kinds of diseases and hungry. I see a nation like India, where there are more people living below the poverty line than there are people in the United States altogether. I see a world where half the people are living on less than two dollars a day while we sit here every single one of us filthy rich compared to the rest of the world see a world where our dogs and our cats are eating better than our brothers and sisters in the Sudan where last week last week alone 50,000 people died of AIDS Last week alone, 100,000 children died of hunger-related diseases. In addition to hundreds of thousands of others that were trafficked around the world for human sexual exploitation. And our biggest concern last week was how our football team played. And on top of all of that, thousands upon thousands of our brothers and sisters who are imprisoned and persecuted in China and Laos, North Korea and Saudi Arabia. In addition to over a billion people who haven't even heard the name of Jesus that's on our lips. I see all of that. And then I look back. And in the church, I see so few of our churches risking everything for the mission. We have retreated. Have we retreated? Listen to what he says. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring what? Good news. 
the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring them. Listen, listen, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you usher it in? Wouldn't you go to the news? Wouldn't you report it to everything and everyone on every corner, on every nation, in every state, wherever you could? Would you not tell them, I got the cure for cancer. I found the cure for AIDS. I found the cure for all these things, and yet we have the cure for life, and we have the cure to overcome the sin and death of the world, and yet we remain so what? Stoic and silent. And listen, it's easy to play the armchair quarterback just like we do with sports. It's easy to play the armchair quarterback and go, this world, this world is falling apart, it's getting worse, and yes, it's going to get worse. The Bible says it's going to get worse. But it's our role not to retreat, not to step back, not to run, but to step forward, to take it to the front lines. Can I tell you one of the craziest things is why does the church play around to a certain extent when we're behind enemy lines? Like we're behind enemy lines and that's exactly the way the enemy wants it. And so we can do the utmost damage for the enemy's territory and we can build up God's kingdom by standing on the truth of his word and proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who have never heard. And yet we're easier, it's easier to remain silent. It's easier to sit back and go, you know what, I just got to get through today, Brian. Please hear me out when I say this and this is not a bash on us, but I see a need for the church to arise because we are surrounded by a valley of dry bones. And the very simple thing that the Lord asked Ezekiel to do is the very same thing that he tells us to do in the New Testament, that you've got to preach the good news to these dry bones so that they can hear. And once they've heard, then they can believe. But if they've never heard, they can never believe. One of the questions I often get is, Brian, what happens to those who never hear the gospel? Now listen, we could talk about all kinds of things. There are all kinds of missionaries that have been overseas that have talked about this Jesus dream where Muslim and Hindu and Buddhist people have come to faith in Christ because they had a dream about Jesus, and later they run into a missionary, and the missionary tells them the good news. But without us going... Without us sharing the good news, hundreds of thousands and millions of people will spend eternity apart from Christ in hell. So listen. Listen to what D.L. Moody says, old famous pastor back in the 50s and 60s. When a man is filled with the word of God, you cannot keep him still. If a man has got the word, he must speak or die. So listen to what he says, again, in Scripture. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Think about it this way just a little bit more as I unpack and kind of wrap up this sermon. See, we wear shoes. We drive. Maybe we take a bike or a motorcycle. But the spread of the gospel in the early church meant that the shoes or the sandals and the feet of those who had the gospel had to carry it to the next town or the next village or the next province or the next country. And what it cost them was this, how beautiful are the feet is literally this idea that they may be broke down and calloused, they may be bruised and blistered, they may be dirty and nasty, but listen to what Paul says, they are beautiful. 
Now I was thinking about this as a joke because my wife hates feet. And so sometimes we'll be in bed and I'll go, whoop, and I'll put my foot on her leg. And she loses her ever-loving mind, kicking, punching. Get your feet off me. They're gross. I'm like, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? And she shakes her head. She's like, not yours. <laughs> right? But, but listen, in the midst of a cultural climate that Paul lays out and says, confess that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. And then at the same time says, how beautiful are the feet of those whose feet are blistered and nasty and gross and worn down by the miles that you have put on them because you're willing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The reason that some of us never experience the full abundance of Jesus' life in our life is because we're good just sitting back and saying, I don't need to tell anybody else about it. The gospel is good news. And the gospel is what I have to preach to myself every day. That there is no difference between me and the drug dealer down the street other than the fact that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ because I put my faith and trust in him. And that drug dealer or that person who's taking the drugs or drinking alcohol or maybe they're just the person who says, look, I've always done the religious thing. I've always gone to church, but I've never put my faith and trust in Christ. You're the exact same as we are. The only difference is that we have believed and confessed. We're still sinners saved by grace. We're not perfect. We're going to strive to be obedient in everything that God has called us to do. But we have to live out the gospel on a daily basis. See, if you love them, take the message of Jesus to them. If you love them, you do all you can to take Jesus to them. If you need to go the extra mile, go the extra mile. But people need to hear the good news of the gospel. Are you hurting? Has sin destroyed your life? Do you know people who are hurting? Do you know people who, whose sin is destroying their lives, is breaking apart their marriages, is breaking apart their families, has destroyed them because of the addictions that they've given into? Listen, all of those things are situations of dry bones. And it's a thing where we can look at it and go, they're dead, they're dry bones. Or we can look at it and say, yes, they're dead, dry bones. But God says, tell them the good news. Because when I tell them the good news, they have a chance to respond. That is, to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Listen, and, and I, I feel a, a, a great challenge with this, and I believe it's something that we as a church are always going to focus on as long as I'm your pastor. Our church should not be judged on how many people come on a Sunday morning. And while I believe that every church should be growing, every church should be uh, trying to reach people, we could have a lot of people coming to church on a Sunday morning who are lost and not understanding it because they put their faith in the fact that they attend a church. 
Rick Warren says it this way, a church should not be judged on its seating capacity, but on its sending capacity. Are you and I willing to be those who take the good news to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to our family members, to the pimps and the drug dealers, to those who are trying to sell people? And please hear me out when I say this. Kansas City has 180, well, last check, 182 different nationalities right here in Kansas City. 182. We have our first Afghan family who has come in to Kansas City. They're expecting about 550. Who's going to go? Because here's usually the way it goes. Well, it's not, I don't, it's not my job. It's not what God has called me to do. No, God has called all of us to do it. And it's not just that. It's my next door neighbor. So when we say this idea, remember what we said, the idea of leading people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, to belong to a cause bigger than themselves. That causes the church. And we said the church is a people, not a building, Right? We have a building as a place to gather, but the church is the people, the the bride of Christ doing the work of Jesus, and that's what we're called to do, to become everything that God created you to be. Please hear me out when I say this, and this is kind of where the rubber meets the road to a certain extent. Some of you would say, hey, you know, I feel called, but I'm not sure, like me answering questions or me sharing the good news of the gospel, like you're, you're, you're asking a lot. Please hear me out when I say this. That is why the church... We referenced this a couple weeks ago. That is why your pastors and your leaders and your shepherds are called to be here. It was he who called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and preachers, pastors, to prepare God's people for works of service, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And so please hear me out when I say that. The way I can become everything that God created me to be is to be prepared. I can be prepared through life groups. I can be prepared, obviously, by connecting here. I can be prepared by being involved in some of the church activities. But please hear me out when I say this. I am not a pastor who is a program-driven pastor. I think our church, if you've been in our church for any given amount of time, you're going to know this. I am not a person who thinks that we've got a big, busy calendar, church calendar-wise, every night of the week. Because I want you involved in the lives of people who don't know Jesus. But it takes preparation. And the last thing, he has called you and I to go, this is what we call it, to our neighbors in the nations, who put it again in another way, across the street and around the world. Now, COVID has wreaked havoc on the around the world aspect, but guess what? The nations are right here in the United States. And that's what God has called us to do. And that's what he's calling all of us to do. And so here's how I want to wrap up today. Maybe, just maybe, there's somebody here who you would sit back and you'd say, Brian, I I don't know that I've always heard the good news. I don't know that I've ever heard the good news. I don't know that I've ever responded by putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But listen to what he says again. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Master, King, Savior over all things, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
Please hear me out when I say this. What you're confessing when you do that is you are confessing that you're a sinner, that apart from Christ, you can do no good. That's very clear what Scripture says. But when you confess that, what you're doing is making a declaration that He is your King and that everything from here on out is about Him. And please hear me out, church, when I say this. That is our call that everything we do is about Jesus first and foremost. How I serve, what I say, how I respond, how I invite others, how I share the gospel with others. And I know, listen, I, I, I know I've done this before and I, I've laid this out and I've had people say, well, that's great. Can I tell you something? You want to know why I think sometimes we have a hard time sharing the gospel? Because we've made it about rules. Why well, I just can't do it justice. Brian would do so much better. <laughs> Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Number 1, it says that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the wisdom of God that others counted as foolishness, Right? But it also says this, Paul says this, that God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. Please hear me out when I say this. Sharing the gospel is not complicated, it is not hard. As a matter of fact, it's fairly simple and it's supposed to be good news. We've just complicated it because we've, to a certain extent, subcontracted it out maybe and said we've got to pay the professionals to do the big man's work when the truth of the matter is we're all called. So here's what I want to do. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I'm going to have the praise team come. I want you to think about what we sang earlier and things like that, but I want you to focus on this. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, today is the day to do it. Don't hesitate. I don't stop. I'm going to confess it. I want to confess, and I want to do it. I can do it where I'm at, but I believe wholeheartedly there's a response point where you have to make it public. You have to let other people know, I am making the decision to follow Jesus for the first time, and I want everyone to know. I want to make it public. I'm not hiding it under a bushel. I'm not hiding it under a lamp. I'm going to go public. And so as we close with this song, we're, going to, we're just going to sing an invitation song. If that would be you, what we're going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to come up and just talk with me. Very simple. Nothing fancy. But at the same time, believers, if you are a believer and you're not sharing the gospel, I believe wholeheartedly that it is God's call right now to break your heart and to give you people in your mind right now, Spirit, I pray that you do this right now, that you place the faces and the names of people on the hearts of believers here in the church today that need to hear the good news. And so, Father, today we lift you up, thanking you for your gift, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we acknowledge you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you sit at the right hand of God the Father, and you are waiting on the timing when he says to come, you're going to come. In spirit, we pray for your conviction. We pray that you guide us in what we say. We pray that you give us the words to speak. Because we believe that you, as the Godhead, are in control of all things. And that you are calling us out as believers. And that you are calling those who have never put their faith and trust in Christ to come. 
because Jesus offers a life and a life more abundantly. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to close with a song. If you've never done that, do it now.